Hello, everybody, and welcome to the PaxX Podcast, now available on iTunes. This is episode four of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Hi, Mary. I'm doing really well. You know, it's another week, and we've got so many stories that we could address in our uh, little show here. It's, it's hard to pick just a few. It is, and it's hard to pick the, the stories to highlight because the, the Paxex world is, is, is really lighting up. It's alive. Um, it's alive. It's alive. And of course, uh, this podcast is actually doing quite well, which I'm happy to report. So thank you to everyone, uh, all the listeners out there. Um, before we get started, I'd like to thank Lufthansa Systems for sponsoring this podcast. The Lufthansa Systems Board Connect Wireless In-Flight Entertainment Solution provides passengers with access to hundreds of hours of movies, TV shows, and music, all available on their own personal electronic devices. Virgin Australia, Lufthansa, and Al Al have already started rolling out Board Connect or will begin offering it this year, opening new ways for communication and interaction between an airline and its passengers. This technology will have a tremendous impact on the overall travel experience and on a personal note, I've had the opportunity to use Board Connect while on board a Condor Airlines Boeing 767, and I can report that I was able to effortlessly stream movies to a PED. So thank you, Lufthansa Systems. Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today, Henry Hardevelt. Henry is a world-renowned airline and travel analyst. Henry, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. And you're out on the West Coast, so I know there's I a time San difference. Yeah. <laughs> Henry, it's so good to be talking to you again. Of course, we have many times on the Airplane Geeks podcast, and you're one of our favorite expert guests. Well, thanks, Max. It's a pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, now let's take a look at some of the top PaxX news stories making headlines. Uh, first, we know we've been talking a lot about American Airlines, but you just can't ignore the carrier's launch of a three-cabin Airbus A321T transcontinental service that came out this week. And Henry, you were on that launch flight, I believe. What do you think of the service? I was. I uh, was invited by American to be on the plane. And I have to tell you, I think American has a very, very solid product in all three cabins. They have thought through a lot of details that I think will uh, create a very, very nice passenger experience. And um, uh, I think that uh, having just flown the United PS product between San Francisco and Kennedy, I think American's product is, is actually tangibly better. Oh, that's interesting. Where were you seated, uh, Henry? I was seated in business class, but before the plane took off, American invited a couple of us to uh, walk through the entire plane. The business class cabin uh, uses, I believe it's the BE Diamond seat, which is the same one that United has. Uh, uh, First class has a modified version of the seat that is used in business class on American's new 777-300s. Yeah, the reverse herringbone, yeah? uh, It is the reverse herringbone. And uh, uh, thankfully, with the seats facing out towards the window, so Mm -hmm. uh, they do remember, we like to look out of the window of the airplane. Uh, (laughs) The first class cabin has, has 10 seats. And there has been a lot of speculation about whether American has been too generous in terms of the number of seats allocated. We'll have to see how that plays out over uh, over uh, the long term. But there is a great detail that American included for its first class passengers, and that is uh, uh, in front of row one. There are two 
small compartments for carry-on pets because the uh, uh, the seats are not certified for underseat stowage during takeoff and landing. So for those celebrities or others who have their precious little animals, Paris <sighs> Hilton, I'm looking at you. Oh, Lord. Uh, you have a compartment on this plane where you can stow your critter for takeoff and landing, and then uh, the flight attendant will uh, let you take it out uh, for to be at your seat during the flight. It's an onboard kennel. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that American would like to have its multi-million dollar <laughs> airplane referred to as an onboard kennel. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I think it is attention to these small details that can actually have a great impact. When you think about uh, the airline industry, 80% to 90% of what airlines do are the same. They fly the same planes. They have seats made by the same manufacturers. So it is this attention to detail, especially in the premium compartments, uh, the premium cabins that can really stand out. In business class, the seats are two by two. They are fully flat. Uh, Again, American has fitted them out not only with uh, outlets for standard um, uh, AC power, but uh, USB. Um, American provides noise-canceling headsets. Uh, The IFE system, though, really in first and business, and for that matter in coach, is stupendous. Uh, it is high def like the screens are just humongous for lack of a better word. The content is excellent, and uh, uh, I think that that passengers on this plane will be quite quite pleased it's it 's clear to me that that the battle is going to be fought for um, through IFE for the passenger. And even in, in main cabin, uh, where there are 36 extra legroom seats, uh, which American calls main cabin extra, and 36 standard seat, uh, standard coach seats, uh, the IFE screens, again, are large. The headrests are adjustable. Um, uh, they've taken steps to try to maximize personal space uh, within the realities of what is a domestic coach product. So I think American has a very, very solid product. Uh, importantly, the flight attendants seem to like the plane. They like the layout. Uh, they like the uh, uh, the way the galleys are laid out and so on. And, and uh, when you get thumbs up from flight attendants, uh, that tends to lead for a better customer experience no matter where you're sitting. So very true. So very true. And I believe, interestingly, because American Airlines uh, uh, has Panasonic on a lot of its aircraft, I believe this is the Talus in flight entertainment system, which is uh, kind of interesting, too. Um, it, what, uh, what do you it think? It is in- Talus. It is. Okay. And there's one thing I wanted to add, uh, following to something that, if I may, that you had said at the beginning, Mary. One thing that American has said is they want to take advantage of the internet uh, connectivity that they have, which is GoCo, GoGo, excuse me, and it mm-hmm. uses the ATG4 uh, product on this, uh, and try to then provide more personalized information to the customer. So, mm-hmm. for example, not just showing all connecting flights on a screen, but saying to the passenger in uh, uh, 14B, your connecting flight will be departing from this gate, and to the passenger in 14A, your connecting flight will be departing from that gate, and so on. So they want to try to use the IFE system and GoGo technology and other technology infrastructure at it at the airline to facilitate a better travel experience for the customer. And that really is the next step, Henry, isn't it? And of course, were these flight attendants armed with uh, tablets on this flight? 
They were armed with tablets. Mm-hmm. Um, in the premium cabins, they, they don't use the tablets. They uh, have a printed manifest. Um, and it may have just been, by the way, for this flight, uh, it will, you know, I'm not sure how they will handle it. I know that in uh, Coach, they were using the tablets. Uh, you know, I think that the, the fact that they have this kind of information, well, just in talking to another flight attendant on American, she has told me that that she just feels that she can do more to help customers and understand uh, what you know they want, um, what they need, and uh, especially for their premium customers. As she said, not everybody can get upgraded. Um, she said it lets them go and 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 give a little extra TLC to customers who are in the main cabin. I love that. I love that. Now, Henry, you fly a lot uh, between uh, the coasts. And, of course, Virgin America set a standard many years ago uh, on Transcon flights. How does it compare uh, to Virgin's product? And, and, and of course, uh, what you're seeing, JetBlue is about to roll out with Mint. Um, do you think that American has set a new standard right now and the others are now all going to have to play catch up? Well, I think that, that we have to look at it from the standpoint of hard product versus Soft, and I think that from the standpoint of hard product, Americans' uh, uh, premium cabin product, and I would venture to say also Coach, is better than what we have seen on United. It will be interesting to see what Delta rolls out uh, when its new uh, aircraft come into the Transcon market. Uh, I think that that right now, um, frankly, American and JetBlue are going to be neck and neck. I think the uh, Mint product for Jet. Blue is going to be quite compelling, uh, and I think that it really will be interesting to see um, who's, if you will, better. American has announced that they will be unveiling a new meal service in the premium cabins sometime, I believe, next month. Uh, you know, I think American's product, of course, being approximately twice as expensive as what JetBlue has said its most expensive price will be. Americans going to have to work hard to justify that premium. Uh, Virgin America still has a great product, especially in coach. You know, we'll have to see what they do in first class. Right. Um, you know, they have the, uh, uh, sleeperettes, which are certainly very comfortable. They have a great IFE content product, but you know now American has raised the bar, and it looks like JetBlue also will be setting a new standard uh, for the in-flight entertainment hardware. American does not have satellite TV, and according to American, they made the decision not to do that because they felt Wi-Fi. Uh, would allow customers to stay in touch with breaking news and entertainment and events and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I understand the business rationale for that. You know, but Virgin is now, you know, it's it's funny. They're just seven years old, but they're going to have to play catch up in some ways. Now, on the soft product, Virgin has great people. They, they have a good buy on board program in coach. Um, they offer very, very good value. Uh, look, you know, the, the, the hard product and the soft product are what they are. Uh, let's just take a look at the hard facts. By summer of 2014, Americans going to run 13 flights a day between Kennedy and LAX. That is almost a shuttle-like schedule. It is going to be very hard for other airlines to compete with that uh, uh, because American will be able to offer the frequency that the, the corporate traveler, the high-value traveler, really wants. Very interesting. Mm. Very, very interesting. Well, let's move on a little bit and talk about aircraft seating. Now, we know that economy class seats are 
getting smaller. And at the same time, passengers <laughs> seem to be getting bigger, <laughs> taller and wider as well. And recently we saw a letter, a complaint by a Jetstar passenger. And that really went viral and brought this issue right back square into the headlines. Uh, Mary, can you tell us a little bit about what happened here? Yeah, this was actually quite an unfortunate situation. So a Jetstar passenger paid for an exit uh, row seat, and uh, he claims he boards the aircraft and uh, is greeted uh, with uh, a fellow uh, seatmate who is a passenger of size, uh, a passenger of some girth. He proceeded to write a, a really horrible or acerbic letter about um, his experience, about his passenger experience. And in the process of that, really uh, shamed the man he had set beside. And thankfully, he didn't name the man he oh, set man. beside. Thankfully. But as you say, the letter went viral. And quite disgustingly, a lot of uh, major media outlets picked it up and ran it in, in its entirety. Um, and it was, it was really quite unfortunate. And, and I think that... Um, you know, we need to have a rational conversation about passengers of size and also height. You know, you know, we're getting taller and wider. That's reality. And the fact that these seats are getting smaller. And what does it mean from a safety standpoint as well um, when you have passengers of size in the exit rows? With that said, there was absolutely no reason for no, no need for this kind of horrible, toxic letter that this Jetstar uh, passenger um, issued. Um, but of course, again, as you say, it brought it into the spotlight. And we addressed the issue on, on the, on the network. And in fact, I wrote a piece saying that, listen, uh, there is absolutely no place in this conversation for fat shaming of, of fellow passengers. But obviously, it's still a very, very important issue. Henry, what are your thoughts with respect to, um, the, the, the passenger of size issue and the fact that these seats are quite literally getting smaller and tighter? Right. I mean, I, you know, look, the points that you made uh, at the beginning, the, the, you know, we as people are simply uh, getting taller and heavier. In some cases, it's due to good diet. and In some cases, it's due to bad diet. Mm -hmm. But we are not what we were back in the 1950s when the uh, first generation of jets were designed. And, you know, I know that the seat manufacturers can do anything. I mean, obviously, the fuselage constrains whatever is done. Airline business managers, airlines finance managers, airline revenue managers, who really, by the way, are the ones dictating uh, uh, the passenger experience much more so than marketing, um, need to understand that putting wider seats on airplanes is not a luxury, but a necessity in mm -hmm. order to keep people uh, comfortable when they are flying. We are paying for a service. That service is transportation. But that transportation needs to be provided in a way that is is at least uh, not going to be akin to a torture session. Mary, you know, I saw that article thanks to, you know, your comments um, uh, from Runway Girl Network. Uh, and, and I read it and I was appalled, as you were, about the vitriol expressed by the passenger. I can certainly understand the discomfort that he may have experienced. But to have gone on as he did was was just uh, uh, uncivilized. I actually think that some people might view it differently. I, I, I think that there's a significant number of people who will read this blog and uh, find it 
um, hilarious. It's uh, yes, it is an attack against a specific uh, human being, a person, the guy sitting next to him. But it's written with a style and in a manner that I don't. To me, it's no surprise that it went viral. Do you think that if it had just been a you know very polite comment that uh, I you know I was inconvenienced by this large person next to me that it would have had this kind of reaction? No, Max. I mean, look, think back to the letter that somebody wrote Richard Branson about uh, the the worst airline meal ever. And oh, yes. And <laughs> the, uh, 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 the alleged letter, uh, this was a handwritten letter sent to Continental Airlines about seat 29E on the MD-80 by the uh, uh, aft lavatories. I mean, uh, you know, stories go viral. And, and absolutely the colorful language uh, was was, I think, a contributing factor to it. But Let's break it down into two things. Uh, uh, the writer could have used that color but not been so uh, mean in what he said about the other person and really focused more on the discomfort and not made it quite so much of an attack. Uh, and then let's let's get back to the real point here, which is uh, aircraft uh, uh, designers and the, the seat manufacturers have to understand the fact that we're not Twiggies anymore. We are uh, uh, people of varying sizes and heights uh, and for the most part, again, taller and heavier. Uh, and uh, uh, we, you know, for those of us who cannot afford to ride in the premium cabins, we need at least to have a decent seat when we're sitting in coach. It concerns me when I hear airline executives say, we think we can you know, trim the seats even more and add an extra row of seats in economy or an extra seat to the rows in economy on certain aircraft, right. not only for the further lack of comfort that means, uh, but also to a point that Mary brought up a moment ago, which is safety. We take safety for granted because airlines and aircraft manufacturers have invested enormous sums to make sure flying is safe. Uh, flight attendants and pilots are trained to make sure that the planes are operated safely. Um, but accidents can happen. Uh, look at what happened last year here in San Francisco uh, with Asiana. Uh, my concern is that as we put more people into a plane uh, and as we are taller, can all passengers safely get out of that plane? Think of a person of size, even if that person is sitting in a premium cabin, having to exit an airplane through a smaller, let's say, overwing exit right. door. Can that be done safely? That's a great point. And also, I think it makes sense to, to also look at the, the seats, how they're being pitched. Now, there's a kind of a lowest common denominator of 28 inches right now. Um, these seats are, are, are quite tight. If you are a passenger of height, like I am, um, your knees in some instances are right up against the back of that seat. My question is, from a safety standpoint, um, if you uh, find yourself in, a, in, a, in an accident, are your knees going right through the seat in front of you? I mean, what, at what point, um, you know, because you saw those pictures that came out of that Asiana crash, guys, uh, those seats that uh, had lifted up off the track, um, you know, are, are people being hobbled 
if uh, if these seats are too tight together. So not only uh, you know getting out of the aircraft yeah, when when you have passengers of size, but also what happens to the the passengers of height. And at what point do we need to really start looking at this from a safety standpoint? Mary, I think that's a very good point. I'm going to share something with you and the folks uh, who are listening that you probably did not know. But um, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, when I was global ad manager for TWA, our flight attendants went on strike. And yours truly was told that I had to fly. So I went through safety training and I was for about three months uh, a TWA flight attendant. I will tell you, I was not very good at it, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, what that did and what the training we got emphasized was safety. And, uh, you know, again, you prepare for the worst and hope you never, ever, ever have to experience it. And the training that I received stays with me to this day in terms of taking note of exits and so on. And Mary, I think you raise a really, really important point which is that the business managers who are looking at these opportunities to further reduce pitch need to understand what are the risks involved should the unlikely happen. And to your point, again, a person of height, uh, if, if that seat comes off the track or if whatever could happen, even the, just the force of the crash, if you're not properly belted in, um, you know, what happens if your knees get slammed into the seat in front of you and you are render, rendered unable to move? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have very serious concerns about this from a safety standpoint. I'm not a safety expert and I defer to those who are, but it certainly uh, uh, raises my concern for safety. And this is something that's just not going to go away, that can't be ignored. I mean, the human species is getting larger, both horizontally and vertically. It is. Airbus has studied this, actually, Max, um, quite seriously. And, of course, you know, they recently uh, had been pushing an 18-inch comfort standard. And I and right. I interviewed them recently, and they said that part of the reason why they're pushing it is because where they see things trending um, and that we are all, you know, getting bigger and, and taller, and, and that's where it's trending. Now, of course, Airbus, it would be remiss not to mention that they do have a proposed triple uh, that would be a two 17-inch with seats and one 20 inch with seat uh, that would be able to accommodate both passengers of size and passengers of reduced mobility. But this is kind of a nice segue into our, our next conversation um, and, and the title of, of today's podcast uh, in that there is a travel distribution disruption. The sad reality right now is that um, a lot of these products that could be brought on board can't be brought on board because the distribution systems can't support that. So if an airline wanted to bring this uh, Airbus triple on board, they're going to have a hard time selling it because the global distribution systems at this point, from what I understand, aren't able to uh, reflect those sales. Henry, you obviously are an expert in this area, and um, I, I, you know, I'd really love to dive into the travel distribution uh, landscape. I want to know, is it keeping pace with innovations in the cabin? And of course, at the end of last year, IATA issued an update about its controversial new distribution capability, or NDC project, which aims to deliver a standard that will enable better access to airline content through distribution channels. Henry, uh, you've been following it closely. Can you tell us where things stand right now? 
Sure. So, so Mary, you know, it's a very valid point. If you build it, will they come? Will they sell it? The, the truth is that airlines can work with their internal central reservation systems or passenger sales and service systems to sell these types of products. But the global distribution systems such as Amadeus, Sabre, and Travelport have varying degrees of capabilities. The good thing about new distribution capabilities, NDC, being proposed by IATA is that it provides a consistent framework for airlines to use to sell through third parties, uh, whether it's a leisure travel agency, corporate travel management company, online travel agency, or whatever, uh, so that they can, they can merchandise their products in a way just as a retailer can merchandise its products. Um, you know, the NDC seems to have stalled. It, uh, uh, there are uh, a lot of airlines, frankly, that have said NDC has, has fallen back or even off their radar screens because wow. they just don't see IATA having a clear vision. And the global distribution systems are saying we can do things, but we don't work for free. They're, that's understandable. They're businesses. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, we, we need somebody here to say, okay, here is the plan. And unfortunately, I'm not seeing that. If anything, I think that there's been a, a, a retrenching in the market from NDC. It's possible that people are simply rethinking it and it may come back. But um, uh, I think a lot of airlines are saying this may be more complex than it's worth. The GDS companies, though, you know, they're not going to develop anything until airlines are willing to pay them. And, and uh, the airlines are saying, well, we have to figure out what it's really going to cost. The GDS companies want to be paid by transaction, and the airlines are saying, no, that's not the way it's going to work. And, and I think in that case, the airlines are right. Henry, is it lack of consensus, or is it lack of understanding, or a combination, or something else? Uh, amongst whom, Max? Uh, well, let's start with amongst the airlines. Well, the airlines, you know, again, the airlines are interested in new distribution capabilities. They, they understand intuitively what the benefits are. They're concerned about how long will it take to get this done? What will the benefits, real benefits be? And importantly, what will it cost? We're talking technology. It won't happen quickly. It won't happen cheaply. Uh, so some airlines, tier one carriers, the proverbial Americans and, and Cathay Pacifics and so on, uh, they, uh, uh, I think, see more benefit. But tier two and tier three airlines, which are smaller airlines that may be more regionally focused in their operation, they may have simpler businesses. There's, they may say, we don't really see the big benefit here. Also, I will say this, the messaging from at the start of NDC was terrible. It came out as, we want to cut out third parties. This is, it was perceived <laughs> as anti-GDS, anti-travel agency. An anti-business traveler. I mean, the Business Travel Coalition was relentless, obviously, in their anti-NDC messaging, of course. Um, did you think that there was some validity to what they were claiming about how airlines would ultimately be able to create fares that would ultimately be biased against uh, business travelers, i.e. business travelers would be, they would be tailored to, but that the price would always be higher? What, what, was there any Absolutely validity to not. that? Okay. I, I, I think the B, BTC misread what NDC was about. It was really not about pricing so much as it is about how can an airline sell a product. Remember, the, some of the largest companies out there, 
are getting negotiated rates. So those companies have their fares protected. Uh, and the gr- growing amount of transparency in terms of price shopping means that consumers and independent business people are able to shop. The challenge is, you know, will we be able to do apples to apples comparisons? Um, you know, I think that it is going to be much like shopping for a computer or a mattress. There will be some small detail, if you will, between airline A's offer and airline B's offer uh, that um, uh, could mean a difference in price. So consumers certainly are going to have to work harder for it. Ultimately, though, I do see a benefit to the standards that NDC can offer. It means that if, for example, an airline uh, installs that new triple seat that Airbus has proposed, the Mm -hmm. 2017-17, that it can sell that in a way that is more intelligent and more effective. Importantly, they can sell it through third parties to travel management companies, leisure agencies, and others. And importantly, that also means the travel manager will have control to make sure uh, his or her colleagues see what they want to see. Well, I have to say, uh, you know, uh, it's a very interesting topic. We're definitely going to keep an eye on it. And, of course, on the on the network, uh, fellow runway girl Lori Ranson recently wrote a, ver- wrote a very interesting piece about uh, Delta Airlines and how they're still having a difficulty selling their economy comfort product for uh, just this reason. Uh, they feel that the global distribution systems have not kept pace, um, but they're also having problems um, with their own site and, and making sure that that product is completely visible because it's not a separate Fair bucket. So we are uh, we're in that uh, that interesting space, and 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 certainly this is something we'd love to have you back on to talk to talk more about, sure. Henry. Yeah, I mean, just remember, we are talking about twenty solving twenty first century problems with Mad Men era backend <laughs> systems. <laughs> Very good point. Well, I want to uh, thank our our listeners and thank you uh, for listening to us uh, weekly. Uh, the numbers are growing, and we really, really do appreciate it. Remember, you can find us online at www.runwaygirlnetwork and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at runway girl and remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. We'd love if you could join the conversation and that is whether or not you're having your own personal passenger experience or you see something out there uh, in the news that you think will impact the passenger experience. We'd love to have you. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor Lufthansa Systems and I'd like to thank Henry Hardevelt for being our guest. Henry, uh, this has been a, a, a true pleasure. Where can listeners find you? Uh, well, thanks, uh, Mary. I'm on Twitter at uh, at H Hardeveld. Hardeveld is H A R T E V E L D T. You can also check out HudsonCrossing.com for information about the research that we've written. Henry, always a pleasure speaking with you. And join us again next week as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX podcast. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm.